Good to see everybody. Thank you for coming to church today. My back is way better because let me tell you something, if it was not, I would not be here. Um, I've never had any back trouble to really amount to anything. And uh, I found out that I, uh, I'd gone back to um, a physical therapist to help me with some stuff that was left over from my strokes when I had those two small strokes a couple years ago. And so it kind of got me into exercising and taking better care of myself, and I overdid it. So here's what you do when you overdo exercise. Here's what you do. I didn't know this. You go to Krispy Kreme. <laughs> and it just balances everything right out. So, no, he showed me how to stretch, and uh, I, there was immediate relief. Hallelujah. Thank God for people who know how to do that stuff. Isn't that true? Who knows what I'm talking about? Amen. Anybody back trouble? Man, if you had, let me tell you something. It, it's, uh, if you're a person who can say that you haven't had much back trouble or, or any back trouble, you are blessed because it is something else. And, and I got to tell you, even the little deal I had for the last couple of weeks um, as painful as that's been, it just made me have a heart for so many people I've pastored through the years. My mom and dad have both had tremendous back issues, um, but it just gave me a real heart for those people uh, that I've been their pastor through the years and visited them in the hospitals and just seen them actually sit in church with tears in their eyes because they were in so much pain. And a lot of you know what that is. And, and um, I, I, I I feel your pain. I have felt your pain a little bit, probably not like some of you, but a little bit. So we're on uh, a series, Love is a Verb, and if you're going to put something on social media, right there is the hashtag we want you to use so we can all see it. Sermon notes, as always, there's the email address uh, you use for that. Love is something you describe with verbs because love is only love when it acts. When it acts. Can we give it up for Pastor Andy doing a great job last weekend for us? Kind of short notice, and he stepped up and did a great job for us. And uh, Pastor Andy, we love you and we appreciate you. And man, you're always going to be number one in my book as long as you keep kneeling down, brushing my shoes off. That'll be <laughs> you to man. So let's read from 1 Corinthians, and we're going to read verses 1 through 7, and we could actually read the whole chapter. The whole chapter is about love, but I just want you to look at this because. And really kind of put it in a nutshell, uh, Paul is saying to the Corinthian church, if you don't love, it doesn't matter what else you do. It doesn't matter what else you do. If you don't love, then you're never going to be impactful. You're never going to be influential. You're never going to make a difference as a child of God. you got to learn to love. And so we're looking at it, and we're embracing it, and we're asking God in our lives this morning, Lord, do I have this love? And probably the answer to that is going to be no, more than likely, that you're not at this level. But it is a level that we need to look at, and we need to study, and we need to strive for. And he gets really, really particular about the qualities of real love, that agape. And you can go back in the other sermons in the series and look at some of the teaching we've done. And I won't go back over all that now. We've discovered that love is patient and love is kind and love is forgiving. And we've looked at all these different um, attributes of love. And we'll look at a, today that love is not envious or love is not jealous. We'll look at that very quickly today. So he says, um, if you speak in tongues, 
If you speak in the tongues of men or if you speak in the tongues of angels, but do not have love, you are nothing but a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. It's all about the love. Next slide. If you have the gift of prophecy, if you have the gift of knowing mysteries and all knowledge, and if you have the gift of faith, and your faith is so strong that it can remove mountains, but you do not have love, Paul is putting himself there, I am, you are, we are nothing without love. Next slide. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, you say, well, isn't that love? Not necessarily. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, even martyrdom, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Final verse. Love is patient. Real love, genuine love, agape love, God love, supernatural love. See, we're limited in the natural. We're limited in the natural, so supernatural Love is patient. Supernatural love is kind and is not jealous. Supernatural love doesn't brag, is not arrogant. Supernatural love, love that only the Holy Spirit can provide for you, does not act unbecomingly. It does not act rude. It does not seek its own. Supernatural love is not provoked. Supernatural love, the love that God can enable you to have, does not take into account a wrong suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness. Supernatural love rejoices with the truth. Supernatural love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things endures all things. When he talks about love not acting unbecomingly, he means rude. When he talks about it, uh, love not rejoicing in unrighteousness, he's dealing with injustice there. When he talks about love rejoicing in the truth, he's telling us that true love rejoices when, when justice prevails. He talks about Love bearing all things. It means love, this love never gives up no matter what the opposition. It believes all things. It, this love never loses faith. It hopes in all things. This love does. That means it's always hopeful. It says this love endures all things. It means that this love remains strong through every circumstance. You say, wow, pastor, I can't do that. Well, join the club. Neither can I. But as I get nearer to him, as I'm drawn nearer to him, as I allow myself to be drawn nearer to him, as I open my life for him to have more and more control, then he enables me. Remember we talked about grace, a divine enablement? That's what we're talking about here. I'm telling you, 1 Corinthians 13, you can't do it. You can memorize it, you can read it every morning, you can quote it, but you can't do 1 Corinthians 13. You can't do it. You need the power of God in your life to do this through you, to love through you. So important to understand that. Not just love, but all of the commands of God's Word. Everything that God has said to you to do. You're not able. 
You can't check off his to-do list and his don't-do list and, and go out and, and just really try really hard and, and, and do what he says to do and not do what he says not to do. If you're going to do the do's and you're going to refrain from doing the don'ts, you're going to need his power in your life. So if you're distant from God, you're going to struggle. If you're cold in your relationship with God, you're going to struggle. If you're away from God, if, you, if your prayer life isn't what it ought to be, if your love of his word isn't what it ought to be, and I don't just mean on Sunday or just when there's a special time of prayer, but I mean every day. When you're not working on your relationship with him, you're going to drift away. And when you drift away, that kind of love isn't possible for you. So it's divine enablement. There are basically two forms of jealousy. We're going to deal with the, with the jealousy one. If you guys will back up one slide for me. Uh, I believe it's one slide. Can you do that? That person is already gone. Is, it, is eating his... Oh, okay. Not jealous. That's the one we're dealing with right there. Not jealous. So what does that mean? There are two forms of jealousy, two kinds of envy. One kind is superficial. It's a superficial jealousy. And we'll talk about it in just a minute and... And then there's this other envy, this other deep jealousy, profound jealousy, thoughtful and serious jealousy. Solomon called envy the rottenness of the bones. In other words, when you're jealous, it eats you on the inside. Jealousy destroys you. He said it is the rottenness of the bones. It is like... It is like, and I think Pastor Andy talked about unforgiveness. It is like um, sand in a piece of machinery. If you were to pour sand into a piece of machinery and that sand got in there and got in all the nooks and crannies and uh, my car man sitting right up here on the front row keeps my stuff running good, Gary. I love you, man. <laughs> and, um, and he'll tell you, keeping it clean keeping that grit out, keeping that sand out, because if it gets in there and you don't take care of it, it'll ruin the interior of the, of the engine of that, of that car, of that piece of machinery. We're the same way. Jealousy is like sand. It's really, it's really like little flakes of diamond. I mean, it really cuts deep and ruins you from the inside. Envy has been called the enemy of honor. It's been called the sorrow of fools. Now, superficial jealousy, and we've all battled with jealousy at one level or another, but superficial jealousy says, I want what he has. I want that. Why does he have that and I don't have that? Superficial jealousy asks the question, how can he afford that? I know what he makes. He doesn't make any more than I do. How can he afford that? It's called payments. I'm going to tell you something. When you get something paid for, it's so beautiful. Isn't it beautiful when you get it paid for? It looks so much better. This superficial jealousy says, I see what he has, and I want that. I want it. But then there's a deeper level of jealousy that says, I don't like that he has it, and I don't have it. But it's that first sentence I don't want him to have it. Not only, wow, that's awesome. I wish I had one of those. But to then say, and I wish he didn't have it. 
I wish he didn't have it. I know people. I know people. I've had a relationship with people through the years. You have to. They couldn't even enjoy what they had because they were always upset because somebody else had something nicer. Somebody else had something better. Somebody else had something with a few more bells and whistles on it. And all of a sudden, they didn't like what they had because the guy rode by their house on that truck that had all those things on it that wasn't on his truck. I thought I'd mention trucks. I know what context I'm in here. <laughs> turkey houses right there. Hog houses right there. Turkey. I love it. Amen. Baby back ribs. Hallelujah. <laughs> so when the smell meets at the bridge. Have y'all been here on that day? Oh, wait till this summer, baby. Just think, baby back, baby back, baby back ribs. <laughs> So the first level of jealousy is what I want, is, is, what, uh, is when you want something someone else has. You just look at it and go, I want that, I want that. And, you know, it's okay to see things and go, oh man, that's really nice. And, and, and I would love to have one of those one day or I'd love to have something like that one day. I don't want you to think that's a sin, but it's when you can't be happy because you don't have it. You can't be joyful because you don't have it. You can't treat your wife right because you don't have that thing. You can't treat your husband right because you don't have that thing you want so bad. You can't parent. You can't, you got a bad attitude at work. You got a bad attitude at church. Y'all know that actually happens? People have a bad attitude at church? I didn't know if y'all knew that. Oh, yeah. So that first level we all experience, but the second level is when you resent the fact that they have it. The deeper level is that, you, is that not only do you want something somebody else has, but you don't want them to have it. The Greek for uh, the word jealous or envy means to boil. To boil, it means an inner seething, an inner boiling. Again, uh, that internal, you, you know, um, when you say to a person, hey, listen, I know that person hurt you, and, and I know you're really, really bitter about that and angry about that, but you're the one who's suffering. You're the one who's suffering. They're not suffering. You're the one who's suffering. And when you let jealousy creep into your life, you create suffering for yourself. That word means steaming internally because someone uh, has success you don't have or has uh, reached achievements or has a thing that you don't have. And this is precisely what the Corinthians were doing. Paul's talking to the Corinthians here, and he tells them in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the previous chapter, he says, you guys are all into spiritual gifts, he said, and I've noticed that the ones you want are the ones that are public. The spiritual gifts you want functioning through you are the ones that everybody sees you function in your gift. Who's with me out there? Who's Pentecostal background, charismatic background, and you know you've seen this? People want the gifts that put them in front of the crowd. As a matter of fact, if they're not going to be in front of a crowd, sometimes you can't get them to operate in their gift. They have to be in front of the crowd. 
And that's what he's getting on this church about. He's saying, guys, you are coveting the showy gifts. He said, but I encourage you to covet more earnestly the best gifts. So real love does not envy. It doesn't envy. When you see somebody who prospers, you still love them. When love sees prosperity in another person, they don't envy that. When, when love sees popularity that a person has that you've not been able to achieve, you don't resent them for it. When, when you see the power that somebody has reached, maybe it's political or maybe it's just a person who operates in wisdom and people just turn to them and, and they have a lot of influence. Don't let that make you jealous. When people get rich, when people make it financially, don't, don't let that creep into your life. It'll ruin your life. When, when a person is beautiful, I mean, how many times have I said, don't hate me because I'm beautiful? <laughs> never. I've never said that. <laughs> but we do. We have, we have jealousies for all kinds of reasons. Um, one of the things that uh, you have to be really careful about is when a person is really, really gifted. They're really, really gifted in a way that you're not gifted, in a way that you wish you were. Have you ever heard somebody play the piano and you went, if I could play the piano like that, I would play the piano all the time. You know, or I would sing all the time. One of the saddest things you'll ever see, and it's about to come around here. No, I think last year was the last season, American Idol. There's all these people who come who their mama told them they could sing. <laughs> and it's like Thelma Lou said about Barney, he can't sing a lick. Do y'all remember that one? And so then when you wanted to be gifted in that area. I'm talking to somebody here today. And you can't, you can't enjoy the gift you do have because you're wishing you had somebody else's gift. And you don't have it. And maybe you really studied hard or you practiced really hard, but you don't have the gift. And maybe you're just kind of okay at something, but you're not as great as that person that you're jealous of. And and if you're not where you ought to be with God, the enemy will get in that. And he'll work in that and he'll bring division and he'll bring bitterness and resentfulness into your heart. Real love is glad for these people. Real love is glad for the person who prospers, the person who's powerful. Real love, the Bible says, rejoices. Jealousy is extremely destructive. Think about it. The very first sin was jealousy. Satan came to Eve and said, wouldn't you like to be like God? I mean, why did God tell you you can't eat this forbidden fruit? Because he doesn't want you to be like him. Don't you want to be like him? Yeah, she says, sure I would. And really, guys, it was jealousy for what God had that Eve didn't think she had that produced Eve's sin and the entire human race fell because of jealousy. And then the very next sin we see is uh, Cain killing Abel. We see the sin of murder, and that murder comes out of jealousy because God received Abel's gift to him or Abel's sacrifice, the blood sacrifice, and he did not receive Cain's sacrifice. And because of what? Jealousy, he killed his brother. We stay in the chapter, we, or we stay in the book. We stay in Genesis, and we find a young man named Joseph. We all know this story in the Bible, Joseph and his coat of many colors. And Joseph's brothers were what? Jealous of him. 
And they sold him into slavery and told their father that he had been killed by a beast, by a great beast. And then we go to the New Testament and we see the prodigal son. Have you ever been a prodigal son? I've been a prodigal son. You, maybe you've been a prodigal daughter and you got away and then you came back and the prodigal son got away and left his father, but he came back. And when he came back, his father rejoiced and uh, they had a huge barbecue and he got the family ring out with the emblem and put it on his finger and he, he got a robe and he was in rags and he put that on his back because his son had left. And you know that story. He, he demanded his inheritance while his father was living, which means that he basically said to his dad, I wish you were dead so I could go ahead and get the money. So his dad just gave him the money. And you know the story of how he went out, and as long as he had money, he had friends. But when his money was gone, he didn't have any friends. He found himself eating pig slops with the pigs. And it dawned on him nothing like eating with pigs that would make stuff dawn on you. And it dawned on him that, hey, my servants, my dad's servants live better than I do. So I'm going home. Amen. And I'll tell my dad when I get there, I don't even want to be your son. I just want to be a servant because I've seen how your servants live and they live a lot better than I am. I, I don't even expect to be your son. But see, God didn't like that. God didn't take him back as a slave. God took him back as a son. Oh, that, there's so much preaching in that. But it was that elder brother who had not run away, but he was pharisaical. And he was jealous. He was angry and would not join the celebration because of jealousy. One writer said, Envy is hatred without a cure. Envy destroys the insides of a man. A loving person rejoices in the excellence of another person. A loving person rejoices in the beauty of another person. A loving person, as the Bible instructs, rejoices when another person is gifted and in the success of that person. A loving person holds no jealousy. And of course, in all situations, who's our example? Who's our ultimate example? Jesus. Jesus said, I came not to seek my own glory, but what? The glory of him, my Father who sent me. In another place, Jesus said, I am content not to be ministered unto, but to minister and give my life a ransom for many. So Jesus is our example. So love is patient. Love is kind. Love is never jealous. Um. I'm coming to a place in the message today where I need to make an announcement. And I need to ask you to do something for me. When I make this announcement, I don't want you to put it on social media. You can put it on social media around 1230. Um, I'm resigning as the pastor today. Um, you guys have heard me over the last three years, if you've been here at the church, talk about there will come a day when Pastor Farrell will step aside and a younger person will step up and lead this church. 
We don't know who that person is yet, but the time has come for me to step aside and let someone else take the helm of this church. I want to tell you something. There is nothing negative going on. I've got total harmony with my elder board. I've got total harmony with the leadership team of this church. I've got total harmony with my staff. Do we disagree on things? Absolutely. Do we debate things? Absolutely. You always want that, don't you? All of a sudden, my mouth just really got dry. Hold on just a minute. Millie and I have been struggling with this for some time. We've been talking about it for some time. It doesn't have anything to do with my health. It does have something to do with my age, but it doesn't have anything to do with my health. Uh, my health is really, really good. Um, and and I, I actually feel healthier than I have in a very, very long time. But this church deserves a passionate, visionary leader. An energetic, passionate, visionary leader. And I have been that person. I've asked God to help me with my self-awareness. And you know what? God has just said to me, you know, Farrell, you're not that anymore. Now, I think I'll pastor again. I'm not sure where or what I'll do. I might serve on a staff at another church. I've got to tell you guys, I don't have any jobs lined up, zero jobs lined up. I have no idea what God's got for me and Miss Millie next. But I think I can pastor one more time before I completely retire. And it would be my dream to go to a church that, that wants to grow, but maybe they don't know how and they don't know, they can't break through. And I'd love to do that one more time like we did here. I want to tell you that, uh, and I, you're probably not only asking, well, what are you going to do? You're probably going, what are we going to do? Well, guys, I want to tell you that I've been talking to my staff uh, for quite some time about this, and they are all over it, and they are looking for God's man to come and lead this church. So we just need you to pray, and um, pray for me and Millie that we'll find our place in the kingdom, and uh, pray for your church. This is your church, and I'll be praying for you, of course, and uh, this church is going to do great things. I, I'm going to say some things that sound like cliches, but they're not cliches. This is the truth. Your greatest days haven't happened yet. The greatest days of this church haven't happened yet. When I got here on Father's Day, June the 15th, 1990, with kind of Elvis hair <laughs> and a 32-inch waistline, <laughs> over there at that little brick church, when you drive back out to 70, if you'll look straight across the street, that little church is where I started. We had 69 people. And last Sunday, we had over 1,600 people. We have two other campuses. We have the Bridge to Hope. We're doing more for missions than we've ever done before. You're the most generous church I've ever pastored. I am not leaving this church because things aren't good. I'm leaving this church knowing that it is positioned for even more, but I'm not the leader to take you there. But God knows who that leader is. Amen? So God's going to put that leader here, and I'm going to cheer 
and um, I'm going to slip in once in a while and peek through the back door to make sure everybody's behaving. But I love you guys so much, and this was a very hard decision. Very, very hard. And I was standing back there, and Pastor Andy knew what was happening today, and I walked by him to come out here, and I went, I'm about to hyperventilate all over the place. I really, I really was trying to breathe deep. I mean, this is a big day, and I love you guys. I love you. I thank you for loving me. You guys have been so good to me. The elders have been so good to me. The staff's been so good to me. Everybody, man, I just couldn't have asked for a better situation. But you know what? And you've heard me say this. Pastors can stay too long. They can stay too long. And I don't want to hand off the baton when we're at half speed. The attendance of our church is higher than it's ever been. You guys have been more generous financially than you've ever been. We just had the best year we've ever had financially. So I'm not walking away going, better. I better get out of this thing. It's about to go under. That's not what's happening. And there are going to be people who are going to come to you, and they're going to say, what is the real deal? I'm telling you what the real deal is. The real deal is that I believe God spoke into my heart and said he wants to do something one more time. And I know I can't do it for 27 years like I have with you guys. But I believe there's one more thing for me to do. And God's going to put somebody here to get the job done. Amen? Do you all believe that? I know this is a shocker. Now, I'm going to let you go so you won't run into the second service crowd. Because I know you want to tell them in the parking lot. <laughs> so, guys, if you all can hold that so I can have this same moment with the next congregation, I would appreciate that. Pastor Andrew is reading a letter today at Mount Olive. Pastor Jim is reading a letter today at Goldsboro, and then Pastor Jim will also be telling the Thursday night congregation on Thursday night. So here's my last day. Let me tell you where my last day is. <clears throat> so I'm going to be here for a while. See, y'all thought that you were getting rid of me really quick. I'm going to be here till, till Father's Day, June 18th, okay? So we don't have to do our hugs and our goodbyes this morning. As a matter of fact, i got to tell you the truth. I don't think I could take it this morning. <laughs> I think it'd be hard for me to, I wouldn't probably be able to preach the next sermon. So um, if you guys will we'll just exit, we'll just go out as normal today, and then I'm going to be here till June 18th. You're going to have plenty of times to get with me. Uh, all of you have been thinking about giving me stuff, go ahead and do it. And <laughs> let's let's kind of get that done, because I know y'all been, <laughs> I'm teasing, I'm teasing. But I love you, and I, 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 did, I didn't really write down any notes I really did, and I wrote down a few sentences because I wanted it to come from my heart. I didn't want it to be a, a thing where I prepared these specific notes. I might wish I had when this is over, but I just love you guys so much. You still got to fix my car, so you're not out of that, all right? I love you guys. Amen. Amen, I do. Thank you, guys. Stop it. You made me cry. I haven't cried. Don't make me cry. Don't make me cry. Thank you. I wonder if there was anybody who went June 18th. Good grief. <laughs> I thought he was leaving. Um, but we just felt like that would be best. And... Um, 
thank y'all for that. That was very sweet. Millie couldn't handle it, so she's home watching online. Thanks, baby, for being there for me. <laughs> and, um, but uh, I said, honey, you know, just try to hold it together. She said, I'm going to be five to here at the house. I, I'm not going <laughs> that day because she would be a wreck. She probably is a wreck now. Just understand. And when people say stuff, and look, do y'all think people are going to try to make stuff up? Now listen to me. You straighten it out. I'm telling you, there's nothing making me resign except God pressing on my heart. That's it. Do what? The Russians, yes. Thank you, Gary. Yes. I, last night I said, God, if you want me to stay, let Duke win. So that was the last straw. That was the last straw. I love you guys so much. I love you. Thank you for loving me. And thank you for that applause. And at 12.30, you can, if you'll hold it till then, I'll appreciate that. And if you don't hold it till then, the Lord's listening. <laughs> I'm going to just let you guys go. I love you. God bless you. If you, oh, one more thing. One more thing. Let me, let me, let me just say something. I, I sh this is where I should have made that. Let me just say something to those of you who haven't been here long. Don't, don't leave. Please don't leave. If you came here because of me, then maybe you do need to leave. Amen? You need to be here because God told you. You need to be here because God put you here. So don't leave. Please don't leave. Some of you who are visiting for the first time are sitting there right now going, really? Wow. First time I've ever been and he quits on that day. That is no reflection on you. No reflection on you. Please stay. Please keep coming. Um, you know, one thing we do know is that the senior leadership team of this church, the staff of this church, and the elders, they put good stuff in the pulpit, don't they? Amen. So, guys, they're going to find they're going to find the right person to lead this church. Okay? So, I just wanted to say that to our, our guests who are with us today. And if you are here for the first time, Please pick up the gift. It's an 8 by 10 glossy of me. Pick that up on your way. No, it's not. It's better than that. Pick that up on your way out. We've got a lot of um, uh, announcements that were made today. Don't forget those. And, and pray for me and Millie um, that uh, we'll end up where God wants us to be. Okay, that's it. I love you. Thank you so much. God bless you guys.